Good morning. You know, I'm not quite sure why, but the Holy Spirit just often ministers to me through these songs we sing. And I get choked up, and I get teary. And uh, it gets a little hard sometimes to talk through it. But um, and that, that's kind of where this message came from that the Lord laid on my heart to give you all today, that we need to take such joy into who Jesus is, into what he's done for us. And that we need to share it. If it's, if it's only in our hearts, it's not a whole lot of joy, is it? So he gave me this message that um, one night we were playing some music at home and uh, I was overcome, and I went back to get in the shower, and I told Ronnie, I said, the Lord just started pulling all this stuff into my head. So I went out, and I started writing down. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just wait. <laughs> um, because when and he, I said, the Lord just started giving me stuff in the shower, and, and I'm supposed to share it. I said, so, you know, I've done, I did Christmas last year, so you get to do Christmas Eve this year. I said, so I'll fill in one Saturday for you, and you can, because that, that gives him time to do the extra message in a week. So... But um, so the message this week is joy. It's, it's not optional. And um, without getting too far ahead of myself, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I know that each of us is going to can agree that this has been a hard year. It's been a hard year. It's been a difficult year. Yes, Lord. The shoe's got to come off. Jesus says this is holy ground. Huh? <laughs> it makes me shorter, yeah. But um, we've seen and endured things this year that none of us probably ever thought in our wildest dreams that we would see or, or participate in. or um, We couldn't imagine it. I never thought I'd see people walking down the streets with their face covered or coming to church with their faces covered. and um, Families having to stay apart from each other. We've been separated from our families, from our loved ones. We've had to stay away from those that we love the most in many cases because maybe they're elderly and, and they're at risk or, or maybe they've got an underlying illness that, that we can't be around them. And so we've had to stay away. Kids have had to stay away from school and be, be schooled at home that they're used to going and being with their friends and having that interaction and that socialization. Adults have not been able to go to work in many cases. They're having to stay home and, and, and t work from home. And, and I know Jennifer says, I could work from home the rest of my life. I wouldn't care. <laughs> you know, she's always wanted to do that. So, but, but at the same time, I know she still misses the interaction with her coworkers. And the people in the nursing homes, they have been so isolated. I'm hearing cases of, of people in the nursing homes passing away, and their families are on the outside of the building looking into the window because they can't tell their loved one goodbye. They can't tell them, I love you one more time. It's been a hard year. What it's doing to our elderly that are isolated, they're having a failure to thrive. As many are dying from isolation as are from COVID. Our kids, we're seeing a depression rate so much higher in our youth because they're isolated from their peers. It's hard. 
It's a hard year. And I can probably say that none of us are going to be sad to see 2020 leave. And we all have prayers and expectations that 2021 is going to be a much better, a much brighter year. So I can honestly say what we need is joy. We need joy. And you know what? Christmas is all about joy. It's about the Savior and what he did for us. Joy. Do you feel any joy this year? Are you feeling joy this Christmas? I'm telling you, we should. No matter what we go through, we still have joy. Let's look at the scripture for today. It's, if you want to turn there, it's Luke 2, 8 through 14. I got it out of the New English Standard Version. Um, but before we go, Ronnie, would you open in prayer? Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that no matter what is going on in the world around us, that we can have your joy and your peace, your peace that passes all understanding, Father, because we can have that comfort, we can have that assurance in our hearts, Father, that we can know that no matter what happens, that we are yours, we are your children, we thank you that we can know for certain that you love us, Father. We, your word tells us that, and we believe your word to be true. We thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you demonstrated your love for us by allowing your Son to come in our place, to, to, to die on that cross in our place, the place where we should have rightly hung. We thank you for that. And Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit and pray your Spirit would be present today. Father, that you would let every heart be open to what you have for us today. May all the ears be open, Father, to hear the word that you have given your servant today. Father, that you would just, just speak to us and Lord, help us to have your joy. Help us to have your comfort in our hearts and in our lives today, in our families, Lord. Be with each one. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Speaking of joy, there was a wedding in Bangladesh this week. Um, Emerson's son, Jim, married on the 18th. And I, I think that would have been our night of the 17th going into the 18th. So if they're watching now or later, we congratulate them and wish them much joy in their marriage. Amen. Luke 2. 8 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping flock over their flock by night. I'm getting tongue-tied here. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, pe on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they were made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. May God bless the hearing and reading of his word. There's one little word mixed in with all that. Did you catch it? Joy. The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All people. Not a few. Not one country over another. Not the Jews over the Gentiles, but all people. And what is that joy? What was it? What was the joy they were talking about? I heard it. Jesus, the birth of Christ. That's right. Look at the scripture again in verse 11. I don't know if it's still up there or not. Our joy is in the Savior, Christ the Lord. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, about our Savior. He is our joy. He is where our joy should come from. What is the joy the angels spoke about? What did they mean? It's plain and simple. It's easy to understand. Jesus was born as a baby. He lived as a man who was fully man without ceasing to be what he was, which was fully God. He wasn't one or the other. He was both at the same time. That's hard sometimes for us to imagine how he could have been a man living on earth, and yet he was still fully God. Oftentimes we'll read or hear that Jesus came down from heaven. He left his throne on high. Well, that's really a, just a phrase intended to say that he left the immense height from which he came, from which when the world was made flesh, he came down and was made flesh. He, he left that throne he sat on, but he didn't give up his sovereignty or his power or his deity. He simply chose to live as a man. He could have, in all the things, in all the time he lived, he could have had and exude, exuded that power of God at any time, couldn't he have? But he was following the Father's plan. He lived as a man. He lived and taught that by asking for forgiveness of our sins and repenting of those sins, we wouldn't need to fear death. Why? Because when he knew, he knew that there was going to come a day when he was going to defeat death. He knew that day was coming. When Jesus died on that cross, he defeated what people, what humanity feared most. What do you think that was? Any guesses? What did man fear most? Death. Death? What else? 
hell, maybe separation from God. Jesus brought salvation to earth. He came that each man, woman, and child could ask for forgiveness. And that if we repent when we ask, we will be forgiven of our sins through the shed blood of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Amen? And by doing this, we're no longer separated from God, but we're spending eternity with him. This life will not be all there is, as Ronnie was just talking about. That's joy. That should bring us so much joy that we want to share it. We should want to shout it everywhere. Sadly, a lot of people don't understand what Jesus did. Some of them will never even hear about it. And why is that? Because those that know, you and I, we're not telling them. Do we fully understand how great our joy should be? I don't think we do. I don't think we truly get it. Do we get that Jesus can, will, and wants to save each and every soul? That he loves each person that much? That he wants them to be saved? That he wants to spend eternity with each and every soul on this earth? No sin is too great, not yours, not mine, no one's. We were talking about the the prisons and and should we go and and minister to them? Yeah, we should. Because there is no sin so great that Christ can't forgive it. Man may not be able to, although we should, but Jesus can. He's enough. He's always been enough. And he always will be enough. The Bible tells us that, we'll to be, that we are to be joyful and to rejoice. Psalm 64.10 says, Rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Psalms 149.2 says, Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Psalms 102 says, that's 100, verse 2, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Okay. You might say, well, that's all Old Testament. That's all in the past. Let's look at Matthew 5.12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Luke 6.23, leap for joy. I'm not seeing anybody leaping for joy. Luke 10.20, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Luke 15.6 and 9, yes, joy is possible. Joy is so real and rich that we turn to friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me. Are we doing that? First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. And finally, and this is a well-known one. There's a song written about it. Anybody know what it is? Philippians 4.4. Do you know what that is? There's a song. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You remember it? I can't sing, but you know. I'm pretty sure you all get the message. What am I telling you to do? To rejoice. To be happy. It sounds easy, doesn't it? But in in this life, is it easy to always be joyful? Is it easy to always be happy? 
this year, 2020. Have we been really joyful and happy about it? We haven't. But I'm telling you that in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our pain, we can still have joy. We should have joy. Christians, I'm telling you, you need to have joy. I know we're all going through a lot, but we need to have joy. Now, in, in the life we live, and even in the Christian world, a lot of times you'll go places or hear someone, and, and it might be another Christian, and I don't think they're intended to do this, but they're, stealing, they're trying to steal away your joy. Have you ever heard somebody, maybe Susie Sunshine says, you need to speak in tongues to be saved. Or Negative Nelly said, your prayers weren't answered because you just didn't have enough faith. <laughs> or maybe Bernie Buzzkill saying to you, you're not saved. You don't go to my church. You don't worship like I do. You don't even dress like I do. You don't eat like I do, and you don't talk like I do. You're not saved. I bet we've all heard somebody tell you or somebody else something similar. People walk away the church from the church for those very reasons. But I've got news for you. And I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but I, I know there's somebody listening that may not know Jesus. And they may not know the joy that we have and why we have this joy. Don't let anybody steal your joy. I don't care who they are. Don't let them steal your joy. The only one that can tell you how to live is the Holy Spirit when he's speaking, telling you what God says. They're the only one. If you read your Bible, you're going to know. You're going to know. You're going to let God's word speak to you. You're going to pray. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. And if you're not here and asking, say, God, shout it a little louder. Let that still small voice be a loud voice. Hit me over the head with a hammer if you have to, but let me hear it. We don't live a cookie-cutter life. God doesn't want us to all be the same. We're not to act like one another. We're not to live the same way one another live. I'm not, my house isn't going to be like yours, and your house isn't going to be like mine, and I don't drive the same car you do. That's okay. I don't look like you do, and I don't dress like you. That's okay. You follow what God's telling you to do. Don't you listen to man, because man's usually going to steer you wrong. If they're not in this, they're going to tell you wrong. And sometimes even well-meaning Christians are going to do that. They don't mean to, but it happens. I want, to, I want us to remember what 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 30 says. And I'm going to read this to you out of the Message Bible. It's a little bit longer, but it makes it really clear. 1 Corinthians 2 or 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 30. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. 
God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit into all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing of the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but all are handed out by one handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. Amen? You can easily see enough how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we extended into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at, at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer, no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how, this, how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into some huge thing. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As, if it is, as it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore the necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether that part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than your higher. And if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. And I can agree with that. And in the healing, hallelujah, if one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. 
You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar with some of the parts that God has formed in his church, which is the body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organizers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious by now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body and not a gigantic, undimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues, and yet some part of you keep committing, keep competing for so-called important parts. It says it pretty clear, doesn't it? So I'm going to say it again. Don't let someone steal your joy. We're not all created to have the same talent. Rosanna can write novels. You wouldn't want to read a book by me. Ronnie can preach, but I don't think you'd want him teaching your child English or grammar. <laughs> While Jennifer and Brian can teach, you may not want them to do surgery on your body. Jennifer say, mmm. While my back surgeon is an excellent surgeon, I don't think you'd want to hear him sing an opera. We are not all called or even gifted to do the same things. We're not called to be alike. The church simply wouldn't function if we were. Don't let somebody confuse you and make you feel like you're less because you aren't like them. We've all got a part to play. Just because you don't pray or live or worship or go to the same church or eat the same food or dress in the same clothes or drive the same car, you're no more or no less than anyone else. This Christmas, let's embrace who God made us each to be. Let's worship him as we're called to worship him. We need to celebrate his birth in a way that brings joy to us and honor to him. Sometimes we hear it's the debate over the Christmas tree. Do we have a tree? Do we not have a tree? I enjoy the tree. I enjoy the lights and the colors. Paisley had a shirt on last night that said, Christmas lights are my favorite color. I'm with her. The, the evergreen tree reminds me of the everlasting life we have through Jesus Christ, as well as the tree that he died on, on Calvary. The lights in the star remind me of the star in the sky that night that Christ was born as well as how we are to be a light in a lost and dying world. Maybe you prefer to set up a big nativity. Go for it. Maybe you prefer not to have anything. Go for it. If that's what brings you joy, if that's how you like to celebrate, do your thing. We don't worship these things. We, don't, we, we get joy from them, but we don't worship them. Did you know that one of the reasons people get depressed after Christmas is because all the lights come down and the world gets a little darker? The brightness is gone? It, it, lights are a good thing. We, it's proven we need light in the wintertime because we don't get enough sunlight. Lights are good. But however you celebrate this season, make sure you tell anyone who's going to listen why you celebrate and from where your joy comes from. The angels told the shepherds that they brought good tidings of great joy, which was for all people. Let's be a part of spreading that joy to as many people as we can.
That joy was in the form of Jesus. And in him is our joy. Tell someone of the great gift of salvation that God has given you. Spread the joy. Who knows how long we're going to be able to do that? Whether our lives won't be real long or we may no longer be able to spread the gospel. Who knows that someday maybe in America we won't be able to meet in a church. We don't know. We better do it now. Here's the thing. No matter what you're going through, and I said this before, our joy is in Jesus. We are children of the light. We are, I heard this on the radio the other day, we are followers of the Lamb. That's our joy. It needs to be our joy. We should be so excited. Our joy should be so great in what Jesus did for us that we're out on the rooftops and out on the streets shouting it. We need to reassess who we are in Jesus so that we want nothing more than to tell everyone who he is, what he did for us, where our joy comes from. Maybe you're going to say, well, I'm really not good talking to people one-on-one. That's okay. Find a way that you are good at. Rosanna writes books. She'll tell you, I'm not real good going and talking to people I don't know one-on-one, right? But she writes books that tell you who Jesus is. There are other ways. I know Jennifer and Brian, they can't preach to their kids at school, but they show them every day who Jesus is by the lives that they live, by the way that they teach, by loving on those kids. You don't have to go out and physically one-on-one preach. You can tell people who Jesus are by how you live. One way is by showing them your joy, by being happy. If we go around with a frown on our face and we're moaning and groaning about every bad thing that happens to us and complain about everything, you're not showing anybody joy, are you? If the world's going to give you lemons, you need to make lemonade. Smile. Be joyful. My mom used to tell me, years ago I can remember telling me when I was a kid, smile though your heart is breaking. You remember telling me that? You did. And I have carried that with me. And, you know, we all have things that bother us and, and things that have happened and things that can really make us sad. But smile, show people your joy. Show them that you are joyful because you have Christ. We're so blessed to be able to share who Jesus is. It is a privilege. So share who he is this Christmas. Share with people what Christmas means, what the birth of Jesus means to you and to the whole world. Christmas is a time that if you haven't done it before, you need to get your feet wet showing people who Jesus is. And I'm going to tell you why. According to Christianity Today, 47% of people are more receptive to hearing the gospel and are open to a spiritual conversion during Christmas. This is according to a Lifeway research study. 34% are open to a spiritual conversion and to hearing the gospel after a natural disaster. Now, I'm not saying this pandemic's natural, but it's a disaster. You add up those numbers, and what do you come up with? A whopping 81%. And yes, Jennifer, I ask you, double-check my math, because I'm not real good at math. But even I, can, I, even I added that right. 81% of people 
are open this time of year, this week specifically, to a spiritual conversion or to hear the gospel. Hallelujah! Are you ready to go out and tell people who Jesus is now? Are you excited yet? How can we do that? How can we show people who Jesus is this week? I don't have the answers, but I think we need to think of something. That excites me. That makes me want to go out and share the word. In Rich Richardson's book, You Found Me, he states that research indicates that the top three reasons given by unchurched people to return to the church are, number one, facing death, number two, losing a loved one, and number three, facing a health crisis. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? The church has a window of opportunity right now to reach souls for Jesus that is statistically higher than it has been for many, many years. And the government wants to shut the churches? Yet wonder why. Which just proves what we already know. God will take something that the devil meant for evil and he will use it for good. While Satan may have thought that this crisis would kill the church, and I think he really hoped it would, the opposite is true. The church has found more ways to go out into the world than it ever has before. More churches are saying, our viewership online is so high. But church, we need to do our part. We can't sit idly by. If we waste this opportunity, I'm not real sure what the consequences will be for the church or for us as individuals. It's a time of shaking, a wake-up call to the world. There may even be persecution involved. But church, we need to go out and we need to tell the world who Jesus is. God has given humanity a chance to repent. I think he's using this time to draw humanity to himself. Ronnie and I were talking about that, I think, last week. How much longer do we have for this? No one knows. No one has the answer. Only God himself knows that. But I do know this. If we as his church, his people, don't heed that call, are we any different than Jonah, who ran from Nineveh? Are we not running from our calling? And yes, I said our calling, because we're all in this together. Each of us is to spread the gospel. Mark 16, 15 says, go and preach the gospel into all the world. Are we doing that? I don't know what that's going to look like for you, and I don't know if you know. If you don't, ask God. Ask him to have your, his Holy Spirit reveal to you what you're to do and how you're to do it. It's a critical time for humanity and the church as a whole. And as a church, we better be teaching the truth and not a watered-down version or we're going to be in big trouble come Judgment Day. God will separate the wheat from the chaff, and I pray we are not part of the chaff. I intended this message to be happy and uplifting, and it got a little heavy, didn't it? But I can only give you what the Spirit tells me to give you. But I have given you many reasons why we are to be joyful and many reasons why we need to be contagious Christians. Not contagious with COVID, but contagious with joy. So let's use the gift that God has given us, the gift of Jesus. Give him as a gift to those who need it right now. 
as you write your cards or give your gifts or you make your phone calls or your internet meetings or with family, however it is you're going to see people this year, tell them about Jesus. Find a way. Find your way so that those who don't know them can find their way to him. As John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy will overflow. God bless each of you and all you do for the furtherance of his kingdom. Amen.